Ready. Ready. All right. All right. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Cave Podcast. We are back, and we are joined on air with Craig Bonelli. Craig Bonelli is a personal trainer, and he is here to make sure we get buffed the right way, man. <laughs> Craig, <laughs> Craig, go ahead and give an intro, and um, tell us a little bit about your background. All right, so first minor correction, Bonjelli, but that's no big deal. Dang Everybody it. pronounced it the same way you did. <laughs> um, so I've been a professional strength and conditioning coach, um, although I guess personal trainer is just as good in terms of the title uh, for over a decade. I originally started getting into weight training to become a professional strongman. That was my first goal and something I accomplished. And through that, ended up coaching world champions, Olympians, Olympia competitors, fighters all over the world. Um, wrote some books, wrote some magazine articles, and now help people get jacked on the internet because they they do it they do it very poorly. <laughs> Yes, they do. And I'm sure you scroll and see a bunch of terrible fitness advice. And man, it's painful. It's <laughs> painful. And even the people who are smart about it, I swear they want to make everybody autistic. Like the, the <laughs> amount of energy and intensity and excitement they bring to things is just, it's crippling, painful. Right. I don't know. These days, anybody, anybody can be any kind of profession now. You don't really need experience, you don't need resume. And you don't need a, war, a body of work to prove it. You just need the numbers and the platform, the stage. And that's the scary the part about it, right? Because <laughs> strength, strength, with- strength training is dangerous. I mean, let's be honest. As, as much as people won't admit that, it is dangerous. But I would argue everything is dangerous. There's experts now. You get on TikTok and there's a new expert about lifting weights. There's a new expert about your relationship. There's a new diet expert. There's a new crypto expert every six minutes. And all of them. All of them are trying to convince you they know what's up and you should trust them with your body, your money, your time, your energy. And most of these people you should not trust with any of those things at all. Yeah, there's a few of those crypto guys I want to kill personally, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's wild, man. It's wild. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And the internet makes it up before if you showed up to an investment office, you showed up to get some advice from a rich guy. You were rolling up to a penthouse and he's got a Lambo outside and you're like, well, this guy obviously knows something. Now you have no idea. Somebody's doing a green screen video on the internet. Uh, sounds right, I guess. Like, who knows? Right. They recently caught this crypto king or something like that. Like he was in this scam of getting all this money. So you're right, guys. Like, and I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten like random messages on Instagram like, hey, uh, I do crypto trading. Yeah. Just, I totally, no, no, just even, just the funny thing about that is I've gotten a bunch of those and I've, you know, I'm keen to that. So I'm like, nah, fuck that. But you'll see people that you follow and your friends, their accounts will get hacked. And it's like, ah, no, they fell for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For real. For real. There's a guy, I uh, I went and lived in Alaska with a guy who won the world's strongest man four times. He's oh, considered wow. the strongest man nice. in history. Uh-huh. And two or three months ago, I, I see his Instagram posts like buying a new car with the money I made from this Forex trading app. You should check it out. I'm like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Right, right. It, oh, man. Someone you know and someone that's pretty... You know, well known around the world, they they got scammed. 
So, Craig, you've probably been around a lot of strong people, man. What would you say would be prerequisites in a good soil, so to speak, for for strength? What would be a good base for strength? The the number one thing, as cliche as this might sound, is desire. It's Mm. desire. I got, there's a, if you go back in time, let's say 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, guys who got strong, they just wanted to go in the gym and hammer stuff. Like they just wanted to go fight with weights and impose their will against gravity. Mm. And that level of desire, that want to is, is the biggest prerequisite because it's, it's not mm. about genetics. Half the guys who think they have good genetics, bad genetics, whatever. Like when I started lifting weights, I was six foot two and 150 pounds. Like people told me I'd never weigh 200 pounds. Mm. They were like, oh, your genetics, you're never going to do that. And you never know until somebody does it. It's, it's this desire and want to. I think right now, contrary to that, there's too much information. You need a lot of want to, and you need a little bit of information that's good information. And from there, you go to apply it and test. You got to be willing to test on yourself, see what works. Mm-hmm. I love that answer. Right. I, I think, I think where what a lot of people make mistakes on is, yeah, they'll have that desire, but too much information, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, right. where, like you said, there's too many people that are now the new experts at something, and and they could be getting the wrong information. So. Um, but you're absolutely right. The number one thing I truly think is that desire, that want, like, you know, it doesn't matter the reason why it could be, I want to look good. I want to feel good or just overall health. I mean, yeah. So then you could translate that to any other area of life, but let's say we go with lifting. If you were to look at some of the most jacked guys that everybody would know about, like take an Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's program and you look at Ronnie Coleman's program and you look whoever, at whoever's going to win the Mr. Olympia today, all of their programs are completely varied and personal to them. Mm-hmm. I would argue it's just as much personalizing it to where their physical state is as it is their mentality. That's unique to them. But if you get on the Internet right now, there's some guy on TikTok or Instagram saying, oh, don't do this. This is the only right way to do it. You got to do every exercise like this. This is a perfect thing to do. Mm-hmm. People do that with trading. You can, get, you can make money being super aggressive with crypto and, and staying on top of the market every day, every hour, like being snappy with it. Or you can be somebody who makes a lot of money thinking very long-term about what they're doing and holding things over a period of time. Making smart, calculated, let's call it Warren Buffett-esque decisions. One guy's going to tell you his way is the only way. The other guy's going to tell you his way is the only way. Right. And there might only be one way for you to do it. That doesn't mean it's the same as them. Just do it. Right? You got to just do <laughs> it. You got to get in there. You got to see You got to see who you are in that place. Who are you in the gym? How do you like to train? What brings the most energy out of you? How do you like to trade? Mm-hmm. If you're talking crypto, making money, what can you emotionally handle? What's your personality gravitate to? How much risk can you tolerate? How much volatility can you handle? It's different for all of us. I think for me, like you guys said, information overload and just doing it. Um, when I first started jujitsu, I was a little intimidated. Plus, I did too much research on what you should do before, how not to get hurt, perfect gyms, how to look for gyms, this, this, and that. And honestly, 
and this, if you ask anybody who's on their path of purpose, a lot of the times when you ask them, what do you wish you would have done? A lot of the times they'll say, I wish I would have started earlier. So absolutely. How long have you been doing jiu-jitsu? I've been doing jiu-jitsu probably six years now. Right. Okay. So what are we looking at? Purple belt? You know what? Inconsistently though. So I'm still a white belt. We make jokes. Okay, I'm, okay. I'm a gray belt. <laughs> gray belt. Got it. <laughs> jiu-jitsu is a perfect example. So I've done, I was in the military for a little while and have my instructor calls for Krav Maga and something called Gracie Tactics. Mm. Gracie Tactics was created by the Gracies and it's hand-to-hand combat tactics for military and police. Mm. I'm certified to instruct that. And if, if somebody were to go, go online, read a million blogs, watch a ton of YouTube videos, watch every TikTok you can find about this is the exact right thing to do in jiu-jitsu. You can memorize that all you want, or you could spend those same number of hours going to a gym with a bunch of killers getting murdered by blue belts and purple belts for three hours every single week for the same month you're going to study. Mm-hmm. The guy who went in the gym might not be able to articulate things the way that people can on YouTube. Yep. Guaranteed if they roll, he's going to smash you. <laughs> yeah. He's going to smash you. They're like, wow, you did the reverse monkey Brazilian angle to get out of that arm. He's like, I don't know what you're like, talking what about, man, fuck? but yeah. I just choked you out eight <laughs> times in five minutes. <laughs> that's hilarious. And that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And jiu-jitsu is a perfect example of it. I've trained with guys who have, who have been to the world championships of jiu-jitsu and they, they were savages, like mm-hmm. savages, like instructors out of the Gracie School in California. These guys, like their English is so-so. Mm-hmm. I can't speak Portuguese. They don't speak very good English. I still learn 10 times as much from them as I do from watching a video analyzing something online. Interesting. You feel it. Right. You start to feel it. And also going back to your point about how jiu-jitsu is a perfect example. Imagine just being at home practicing one submission because it's the submission. You go on a roll and you never get in that position to even attempt that submission. And you go home like, what the fuck? So, yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good metaphor jiu-jitsu is for everything, um, I think. But uh, like you said, agree. everyone who's on the path, what, 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 if I were to ask myself, what, would I, what do I wish I would have done? I would have wished I would have been more consistent and I wish I would have started earlier. So. Just get going, guys. I like that answer. Get, a, get around some killers and go with it. Mm-hmm. That's – I've never found somebody who's great at jiu-jitsu. I've never found somebody who's great at lifting weights. I've never found somebody who's got a super great physique. I've never found somebody who makes a ton of money, who spends their time arguing about minutia on the internet. <laughs> Very true. I'll post a video – yeah, I'll post the video and be like, yo, you should try this for your deadlift. They're like, uh, excuse me, this other coach analyzed the movement arm on this and he doesn't like it. I'm like, you deadlift 200 pounds, man. <laughs> Maybe you should go try it. Or instead of wasting your time arguing, you should, you should eat a chicken breast or a steak and you should go to the gym and try a little bit. <laughs> but you'll find guys in jujitsu who do the same thing. Yep. They're like, yo, I, I don't know why he rolled this way when he, when he started getting caught in that triangle. He probably should have done that. I'm like, you've never choked anybody. <laughs> Anybody. And nobody's ever choked you. You have no idea what you're talking The first time somebody gets on top of you, you're going to see all of this knowledge you think you have disappear into nothing when your vision starts closing in and you can't remember the exact right sequence you saw on YouTube. <laughs> Seriously. But you remember exactly. the person you were talking shit on. You're like, damn, uh, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> For real. But no different than jujitsu. Like it's the Mike Tyson quote. 
Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Facts. I've coached some pro UFC fighters um, and a couple world champions in boxing. Mm. And my least favorite thing in the world is to be sitting there. I'm sitting there at a fight. I'm watching a, a client of mine fight for a world title. Mm-hmm. It's caught with a jab and some idiot on his six beers. Yo, why didn't he slip that? Why didn't he let him get, why didn't he get tired All right. Bro, hop in there, man. You show him how it's supposed to be. One of the top athletes on the planet just tried to punch him in the face and it worked. You think he doesn't know he should move his head? Show me how easy it is. At, like a, at a championship fight. <laughs> right. And, and it's, the internet gives that such a crazy platform. Because before the internet, if you wanted to talk about this stuff and have somebody take you seriously, you had to do enough that you were on the news or in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Now, you promote your content well. You buy followers. You do whatever you want. You look like an expert. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's cr- never in a million years. So the guy I went to live with in Alaska, his name is Bill Kazmaier. Mm-hmm. was the first guy to bench press 300 kilos or 660 pounds. Just in a t-shirt. This guy in history. <laughs> Never in a million years would a guy have walked up to him at the gym when he's benching 600 for reps. And who? And so this guy walks up, he benches 200 pounds. He goes, uh, excuse me, sir. Did you know that the most recent studies show the best pec activation if you move your elbow from here to here? I don't know what you're doing. They never say that to him. People will say it to him online. Right. People will get online and talk to world record holders. Uh, excuse me. No, that's not optimal. (laughs) Have you seen the most recent stuff? What are they doing? What are they doing? Where do they get the balls? How do they they get the certainty in their beliefs? (laughs) I don't understand it. Don't understand it. I think, too, that's kind of why college and higher education is getting devalued because of the new age. You know, you can look like a successful person without even going to college. No one really cares about your background. Back then, you had to have the proof in the pudding. Whether that meant your, your merits, your whatever you have, your belongings, or your um, your degrees and your credentials, but like you said, with Photoshop and everything, it's. I mean, you can have credentials, and people might not even know that you just made that shit up on like yesterday or paid for it. And uh, I think we've started to create a society where everybody believes their opinion matters. Well, you know, my opinion. Your opinion is based on on what? Like, what are you talking about? So, I one of the things I do personally is take my money and invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of owning real estate. So I've got a a mentor near where I live. And this guy literally owns full city blocks. In my city. He's probably he's probably got in terms of the real estate he owns somewhere between one hundred and twenty five and one hundred forty million bucks. Wow, depending on the market. And mm-hmm. I'll go to him and I'll be like, listen. I'm looking at buying a duplex or a triplex. What do you think of this deal? He'll give me his advice. And I'll be telling someone else, like, oh, you know, I'd probably do this. Oh, how many properties do you have? They're like, well, none. <laughs> huh. How many have you ever had any? They're like, nope. Huh. You got your bills paid? They're like, I'm working on it. Cool. <laughs> Why in the world do you feel entitled to correct his advice? Like, what? <laughs> Why does your opinion matter? Your opinion doesn't matter. Show me something. Show me some. Just it blows my mind. And people do it for everything. Mm-hmm. And weightlifting is the worst. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I read this study. Oh, you read this study. If you know so much, show me your results. Let's go save some people right now, Craig. 
what's the worst Stuart. advice you've ever heard that's actually very detrimental detrimental to people and it's very injury prone that people give on the internet about weightlifting? Is there one? I mean, I'm sure there's a ton. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest thing I'm seeing now that I think is holding people back is this idea that there's a perfect thing to do. Um, I don't think five years ago, 10 years ago, there was a lot of advice that would lead people to injuries. Now, I think we're leading people to so much safety that it's crippling them. Wow. It's like if I, it's the investment equivalent of what's my investment strategy to never risk losing even a single percent of what I put into the market. There is not. You will go nowhere. You will go nowhere. It's like going into a casino. How do I make sure I lose no money? <laughs> Gamble. I'll put any money on the table. You want to play blackjack? You don't want to lose any money? Don't bet anything. That's the biggest problem. People are stuck in this paralysis by analysis well, I read that's not the optimal amount of work. That might be too much work. Well, I don't want to strain too hard. I need this many reps in reserve. And that is the thing that is crushing people. They're not risking working too hard anymore. They're not risking injury, risking spinning their wheels, a hamster wheel to nowhere other than some sort of odd superiority complex. That's very true. Um, yeah, we had someone on the podcast talking about how a problem back then was information overload. And I was shocked because I'm like, damn, it was a problem back then. Like, what is it now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and like, if you go way back, one of the books on my shelf is a weightlifting book that was published. Like I've got a print from, it's like 1924. Mm -hmm. And let's say we bring that up a little more recently, but in the fifties, there were coaches where you'd write them a letter. Be like, this is where I'm at. These are my goals. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? And they'd send you back a program. You do it for a year. You'd do it for a year. You wouldn't think about it. You'd experiment with it. You'd be like, huh, when I bench press like this, it hurts my shoulders. When I bench press like this, it hurts my elbows. When I bench press here, I get stronger. And you'd figure it out that way. Mm, like but that. it's the experimentation that we're missing. And it's the, it's the effort. Where are the kids who are in the gym? I want to find more kids who are in the gym giving themselves elbow tendonitis because they're curling so goddamn much. I admire that. And you can work with that. More than you work with the kid where you're like, Think you should like try a little harder? They're like, I'm leaving four reps in reserve. I'm doing 78% of the volume that I did last week because that's recommended in this study. Like, yo, you're hopeless. I want the kid that works too hard and oh risks hurting gosh. himself. I want the kid I, who doesn't know how to work. That's funny. I am so glad I've never come across somebody like that in the gym because I would look, give them a look like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I mean, I may not look like it right now because <laughs> I've taken some time off, but uh, I mean, I have, I've been working out for a good while. Um, again, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> it's taken like a few months. You're next to Craig, um, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, look, look, look at the difference here. But um, yeah, I mean, I've had conversations with people at the gym where, you know, I, it seems like they're doing something and I just approach them out of curiosity, like, hey, what's your... And they just like go in so detailed. I'm like, oh, what happened to probably like five five sets of seven? You know, keep it consistent. A simple pyramid, some, something like that. But like, I'm hearing all this information. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, you know, if it works for you, good. <laughs> like, have a good workout. <laughs> and that's the answer. But the crazy part is the lack of effort. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the lack yeah. of it. And that's crippling everyone. And it's way more common in the gym. And I hope it doesn't spread because if we were going to use jujitsu as an example again, imagine some new kid comes into the gym. You okay? We did this much technique today. Now we're going to do rounds of rolling. We've got, you know, we're going to do five minute rounds with a one minute break. We got four rounds to go. And he goes, ah, <laughs> excuse me, guys. I'm sorry. There was a study from the University of Wisconsin that actually said that two and a half minute rounds with a two minute break of rolling at 70% exertion <laughs> actually yields the best gains in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You'd be like, oh, this kid's a dummy who's going nowhere. Nowhere. All right, come here. They feel dumb. <laughs> for real. Do that for a month. Come here and we'll choke you. We'll choke <laughs> yeah. you to death. But people get away with it in weightlifting because there isn't the same. Mm. There isn't the same. Okay, come here. You can go, okay, show me your deadlift. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got different leverages. Or I think that guy's on drugs. Or I think that at least yeah, in yeah, something right. like jujitsu, you can go, you think that works? Come here. Right. You can it's test cool. it right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things like weightlifting allow people to, well, you know, he's got different genetics. Or he did that. I like Ooh, that. Every girl at my gym out deadlifts him. I don't, I don't think he's that smart. If he can't turn his crappy genetics with no <laughs> drugs into a deadlift better than this 150-pound girl. <laughs> I don't want to listen to his advice. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll get back on that topic because there's a lot to talk about on that side of it. Um, before we get to the next, my next question, I just wanted to say I saw this dude on TikTok and he his his thing because you know everyone has their niche. His thing is he goes to the gym and he kind of breaks the stigma of being in your own bubble in the gym. He'll go to random people and be like, "Hey, uh, can I work out with you?" You know, and then. Initially, the people would be like, it's kind of weird. But then once he explains, like, yeah, this is my thing. I just kind of work out with people, try to break the stigma and kind of trying to encourage people to, you know, talk to people in the gym, see what their training methods is and just kind of try what they're doing, you know. And like you said, in jujitsu compared to the gym, oh, <laughs> hey, you should try this guard. OK, try it on me. They, they tried. Oh, there's holes yeah. in there, you know, in the gym. It's like like you said, they, they make excuses about genetics, but it's also like an ego thing, right? Like. Like, oh, I don't want to, ah, this guy's lifting that much. He's going to hurt his shoulder later. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? Like, is, is, and can that bubble be bursted, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a dynamite question. It's cool that he does that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that bubble can definitely be burst. And I do think people have this weird ego protectiveness type of feeling. Like, oh, he lifts more than me, but it's probably this. Mm-hmm. I bet he's going to get hurt. I bet it's this. In reality, they should be doing what guys do in jujitsu. You see some guy do some wicked butterfly guard and flip somebody around and catch him in an armbar. You're like, bro, mm-hmm. you show me that? Right. The brown belt who did it is like, yeah, I'll show it to you, man, but you're, <laughs> you're 10 years away. But they'll show it to you. Mm-hmm. Or somebody catches you in something, you're like, wow, that guillotine almost decapitated me. How did you do that? And they'll be like, oh, man, check this out. When you moved your arm like this, I did this. And that's how guys should be learning in the gym. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a place in Ohio. It's called Westside Barbell. There's a documentary about it on Netflix. I went to Westside for the first time. Okay, I'll tell you the whole story. Yeah. Well, I'm only 19 years old. Um, all I want to do is be a professional strongman. I'm deadlifting 600-ish pounds. I'm training with the first guy on the, in the world to deadlift 1,000 pounds, Andy Bolton. And I hurt my lower back, like bad. So mm-hmm. I'm laid up in bed for a couple of days, and I'm Googling everything. I find an article by the guy who founded Westside named Louis Simmons. He's talking about back injuries and how they happen. I read his article. I'm like, I've never heard stuff like this. So I download his book. I read his whole book. 
said I was in bed for a couple of days. So mm-hmm. I read the whole book. And then I read one of the books he referenced, which was a training manual translated from Russian. There's a discrepancy in them. The terms aren't lining up and I'm confused. On the back of his book, he's got the gym phone numbers. Like, you got questions? Call the gym. Wow. I'm going to call the gym. I called him. Like, hey, Mr. Simmons, you don't know me. This is my question. I read your book and I read this book. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. read my book? I'm like, yeah. Like, you read the book I referenced? I'm like, yeah. How old are you? I'm 19. He's like, how big are you? I'm like, I'm 260, 270. He's like, okay, what are, you, what are your numbers? Like, I'm almost at a 600-pound deadlift. I can squat 600, blah, blah, blah. He's like, cool. Come to the gym. What? He's like, come to the gym. I'm inviting you to come to the gym because it's invitation only. Mm-hmm. There's a big sign on the door. Uh, I very rarely swear. I've got three daughters, but I'm going to swear now to repeat this story. <laughs> There's a big sign on the door that says, if we didn't invite you, fuck off. Mm-hmm. There's this gym in the city, this gym in the city. This is a private club. If we didn't ask you to come here, I lost. Yeah. Well, I show up at Westside and I'm there for a week. I show up and all I do is listen. Whatever people tell me to do, I do because everybody there is stronger than me. Mm-hmm. The first day I'm there, there's a guy named AJ Roberts squatting. He's got 800 pounds on the bar, on the squat bar, with 500 additional pounds of band tension on it. So 1,300 pounds at the top. <laughs> He comes up from a squat, blood trickling out of his ear. Everything these guys tell me to do, I do. I just <laughs> shut up and listen. I find oh the guy with the best God. bench press. I'm like, what do you do? I'm training with a guy. He's probably 170 pounds and in a bench shirt. So an assisted bench press, he'll bench over 700. Wow. So that's a strong dude. Mm-hmm. We're doing rolling dumbbell extension so you bring the dumbbells down to your shoulder you roll them back and you throw them like darts and you basically do that kind of motion mm. so i'm a pretty big strong guy like i'm a 260 pound 19 year old i'm doing this with 80s and i'm like yo i know i'm the man nobody does this at my gym grabs the 140s 140 he's doing this 170 pound guy with 140 a hand wow it's like cool teach me what do you do for triceps? And I talked to somebody else. I'm like, what do you do? What do you do for shoulders? What do you do for this? The biggest, strongest, most muscular, most impressive people I've ever been around in anything will share their experience and advice with you if you want to learn. And that's what every gym should be like. Hey, we're all here because we want to improve ourselves and get stronger and get better. How do you do that? And then you test it. Some of the things I learned there, I didn't keep. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, that doesn't work for me. Some mm-hmm. of the things worked amazing. No different than jujitsu, we should be treating the gym the same way. Hey, man, that was amazing. How'd you do that? And you might find out that the guy with the butterfly guard has crazy long legs and he's really thin. He can do different things out of the butterfly guard that you can't do. Mm -hmm. You can still ask him. You can still learn. You can still experiment. And the gym should be that. It's crazy that it isn't. It's crazy. Man, if if only. But hopefully, you know, that account and this conversation will... I mean, for me, I used to be intimidated by people and I have kind of this stigma of like, I don't want to bother them in their bubble. But after this conversation, man, I'm feeling kind of courageous to be like, hey, I've been trying to get my delts like that. Like, what do you what do you do? You know what I mean? You should. Be. And if you go up to any big muscular guy in the gym or girl, mm-hmm. any big, any big, well-developed person and you say that to them on. Hey, man, listen, I was seeing you train your shoulders, man. They're crazy. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Guaranteed that person be like, oh man, okay, hold on. Let me do one set and let me show you this. 
Right. Every time I've been asked for things in the gym, I've had people come up to me. My nose is bleeding because I just deadlifted 700 for three or four reps. I feel terrible. Like, yo, how'd you get your deadlift? Like, I'm like, one, second, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> and then as soon as I can breathe again, I'm like, all right, listen, this is what I would do. <laughs> or if I catch young dudes in the gym, I'm like, hey, man, you're looking good. I've seen you a month ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were benching, do you want a couple tips? Most of them say yes. Right. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, rock on, little man. You do right. you. <laughs> if you go up to a big dude at the gym, you're like, bro, how did you get your shoulders like that? You're going to want to take, this is their passion. This mm-hmm. is their hobby. Go up to an orange or a, a purple belt, a brown belt. You're like, hey, man, listen, what was the biggest thing you learned to stay in control on the mount? I keep getting tossed off. They'll be like, <clears throat> hey, lay down. Check this out. Love it. It'd be crazy for them not to share it. It's such obvious advice, but people, sometimes people sleep on the obvious stuff, but I tell people this all the time. If you want to learn how to fish, go ask a fisherman, you know, don't go ask a mailman how to fish because they'll probably tell you things that they read or a friend of a friend or things that they saw on TV, but the fisherman's just out there fishing and he'll more than likely want to welcome, you know, an eager learner to, to baptize them into the craft, right? Right. Absolutely. And who doesn't? But that's that's exactly it. Don't ask a mailman, even if he's got a TikTok account where all he talks about is fishing. Find the guy Boom. who's fishing. Yeah. Find the guy with a bunch yeah. of fish. That's Not the true. guy who's read eight studies on fishing. I'd sure he's done his day job as a mailman. Mm-hmm. You wow. know, an- another thing, another thing I've noticed, though, at the gym is one thing I love to do and and Jerizi here knows I, I, I enjoy leg day. I love squatting and squatting heavy. Um, but one thing I notice is, um, sometimes when I'm at the gym and somebody is squatting and they have improper technique and I see them like bending forward and then they, when they come back up, it's like legs first and then they're back. I mean, I go tell them, I'm like, Hey man, I see you're trying to lift heavy. And I, I kid you not, maybe. 90% of the time I've done that, they give me a look like, like, go away. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, all right, then we'll hurt your back. Event, you know, go ahead and hurt your back. And I'm just trying to be cool here, letting you know that your technique is crap. And so sorry for being a nice guy. And I get that a lot. I give you some, I mean, uh, some real talk advice, man. What's up? I don't, this is, this is not meant to be harsh. Yeah. Biggest thing you need if you want to be able to give people advice is they've mm-hmm. got to they've got to look at you and not be able to argue with it. Mm-hmm. So if I go into the gym, I go into I'm going to give you a couple different. I'm going to give you three examples: one jujitsu, one gym, one money. They kind sure. of drive this home. Mm-hmm. If I go into the jujitsu gym, I see some white belt on the mat get choked out every ten seconds for a whole five minute round. <laughs> then I get caught in an armbar. He's like, "Hey man, do you want some <laughs> advice on that armbar?" Like, sure. I, I guess <laughs> like, I'm going to sit here and look at you while you speak. If yeah. that's what you mean, the gym, if I get some guy with a big pot belly who walks up to me and is like, Hey man, listen, you're looking pretty lean. You want some advice on how to get like real shredded? I'm going to look him up and down. i be like, who, who's who? The last one, money, the money example. If I roll up to your, I roll up to your house, 
I'm like, hey, man, listen, I got the greatest, greatest idea for you to make some more money. If I roll up in a 1993 Camry or if I roll up in a 2022 Ferrari, you know, if I give you the same advice, which advice do you take? Mm-hmm. Ferrari, of course. Ferrari. Right. So the biggest thing you got to have if you're going to go give people advice, I would take that and go, God damn it. I'm going to get so jacked and so strong. When I walk up, I'm like, hey, man, do you want a tip? They are just like, yeah, yes. Like I've been waiting yeah. for that, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just for me, if I'm doing a regular squat workout, I'm probably doing five to six plates for reps on a typical day. Right. Anytime I'm at the gym and there's some kid squatting beside me and I finish a set and I see him do something dumb, I'm like, hey, man, do you want a couple tips on that? Lift their eyes, but it's like Christmas. They're like anything. Same way, if I went to Westside, the guy who's doing uh, rolling dumbbell extension next to me, if he's using 20s, he's like, you want some advice on your triceps? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really, man. But he was doing 140s. I'm like, hit me, hit me. What do you got? What do yeah. you got? That's my advice. You get, you get legit jacked, legit strong. You go into the gym and squat 600 pounds, you're never going to get that reaction again. Gotcha. gotcha. You should, Craig is well, saying just blast squats in front of the guy next time and be like, well, that, hey, how's that and bag that. And, and, and again, I may not look like it. I may not look like it, but on my normal day, I would be repping three plates, you know, 335, 345 uh, pounds, 345 pounds. And so, yeah, then there would be the kid next to me trying to go for uh, 275, but I see the total, you know, he's just doing one rep and the total bad technique. Of course, I approach them, but sometimes they do give me that. Well, I wouldn't say sometimes. Most of the time, they still give me that bad look. Other times, it's like, you know, even if it's not bad technique, people will still come and approach me like, hey, I saw you go down. Hey, I saw that front squat. Great technique. What what, what do you have in mind to, you know, what can you give me? Some uh, That makes sense. Advice. But a, a beginner, you yeah. a kid who's struggling to squat 275, he doesn't understand the difference between a rough 275 and a really clean 335. He's like, right. yo, we're close. Yeah, we'll exactly. that next And he's wrong. It's not a big enough gap. Gotcha. And understand gotcha. the difference. Gotcha. Okay. If you squatted six plates, no, is that Yeah, I, I get you now. For sure. Amen. It's, that is what it is. No, no, no. I hear you loud and clear, and that makes sense. I like that For advice, sure. too. Thank you. So, Craig, let's talk about your uh, strongman days. And for the people that don't know um, what strongman competition is, why don't you go ahead and explain it? You've probably seen this on TV, like the world's strongest man competitions. This is lifting cars, the big logs that guys will clean and press over their head, or the giant concrete balls that look like uh, Swiss balls at the gym but made out of concrete. That is, that is strongman. And I, I follow this guy on YouTube named Elliot Hulse, and I think he was also a strong man. He was. He was back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, man, what is training for strong man like? Is it – I mean, it wouldn't just be maxing out all the time. It's obviously like there's a method to it, like a training camp, right? right? Yeah, it's – to be honest, there's a lot of different approaches to this. And I was actually just – I was just – did a training session with the second strongest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been friends for a long time. We, we competed together back in the day. Went to see him. Everybody's got a different approach. Typically, what you're going to do if you're in a well-equipped gym, 
is instead of, let's say you're training for power lifting or power building, you would go in and you're like, I'm going to do a heavy overhead press today, then some close grip bench, then a bunch of shoulder and tricep work. Strongman would be the exact same thing, except you'd probably start with a log press and you'd go into normal weightlifting. Mm. It's very much like power building. Some of your movements you would sub in. Instead of deadlifting today, you're going to lift an atlas stone. Instead of dumbbell overhead pressing, you're going to press a log. That is basically the idea. It's very, very similar to a power building approach, just mixing in some of the more obscure events. And you were living in Alaska while you were competing and training for Strongman? Oh, so I, uh, I lived and competed in my home city just outside of Toronto. Uh, ended up connecting with Bill Kazma, or the guy I mentioned before, four-time World Strongest Man. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to Alaska to work on a book with him about training for Strongman and training bench press. Because obviously, first got a bench press, 660 right. pounds. It was a little bit about bench how is Alaska? Because um, I had a I had a conversation with someone about the people in in Dagestan, and there's something in in the air in Russia. Is is there something to cold temperatures that makes someone just primarily stronger than people in you know like California or somewhere with a more nicer temperature, more comfortable temperature? That's a good question. I think it's culture. So in Alaska, in Alaska, what I found were a bunch of people who are ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> Don't trust strangers. They've got 500 pounds of rice, 1,800 bottles of water, and a bunch of bullets stockpiled at their house, and they are ready for the apocalypse. Like That was the culture in Alaska. Wow. There were not a lot of strong people, but there were a lot of people <laughs> with guns and rice. <laughs> if you look at something like Russia, um, Dagestan, uh, I spent some time in the Middle East in Israel and Palestine and places like that, I would include mm-hmm. you get people who understand hardship, callous themselves to hardship. And you give them an outlet to be able to move themselves forward and try hard at things. They'll typically do better. There's, there's a quote, I think it was Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're asking him like how he stays motivated to fight when he was a world champion. He's like, honestly, it's hard to get up at five in the morning and run when you've been sleeping in silk sheets. And that's just it. Like if I do, why do so many great boxers come from really poor beginnings? Right. It makes it worth it to do all that stuff that sucks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to find a kid who wants to go run every morning and spar and get his nose broken and all that kind of stuff. We grew up in a nice upper middle-class family and his parents are like, listen, just go to school. Maybe you'll get a law degree and work at your dad's firm or you know, you'll do this. You'll take over the family business. Those kids don't want to deal with that. Real, real hard lives, make hard stuff seem easier because you're calloused. That's true. And it makes me think of also people in Thailand don't get enough credit for being tough, but the children over there, you get eight-year-olds with like 50 fights under their belt. People over here are like, oh, they're badass, but that person, that kid is doing it to feed their family. Like they don't yeah, even, and it's, it's, it's like normalized it's normal. for them. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I speak uh, English, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I speak Spanish, and my Russian is pretty good. When I say that to somebody in North America, they're like, whoa, three languages? Like, that's crazy. But in Europe, somebody's like, you know, I speak three languages. Everybody's going to look at them and be like, 
okay. Yeah. Like, what's the what else? the rest of the stuff? Why? <laughs> yeah. you, like, where, where's this going? It's normal to them. Mm-hmm. Level of work ethic in some of these places. The level of discomfort. The kid in Thailand. You find a kid in Thailand who's eight years old and he's got ten fights. You're like, you got ten fights at eight years old. He's like, I know, I suck. Yeah. My cousin has forty. <laughs> the the standards are different, and who you get around matters. Like California, God, I think California has more jujitsu gyms than anywhere else on the planet per mm-hmm. square mile. Right. You go to a gym where the idea is we're gonna be monsters. <laughs> like we've got that old school mentality. Like we're killers. Or you go to a gym where it's like ah we like a. Jitsu places open near me in a mall. <laughs> they've got this big fancy sign that says the gentle art. Oh no. And it's like, it's beautiful and it's really clean and everybody looks really happy. I'm like, yo, do you know anything about where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu came from? This is not the gentle art. Like, this isn't like a tickling contest. <laughs> yeah. The people there around are gonna are gonna spark a certain mentality. It was like, listen. Some of the jujitsu gyms in the city are going to fight, and you have to you have to join one of these gyms. And whoever wins, they're, they're going to save your life. Or if they lose, you're dead. Mm-hmm. I pick at a place called the Gentle Art with a bunch of people who want to like. Hey, let's just go at thirty percent today. I want the gym where a guy's like waking up on the mat. He's like, God, let's go again. Let's go again. Like <laughs> I always had you. Right. <laughs> and if you go to places like Dagestan, places in Russia. They've got that attitude with everything. You go to Thailand, they've got that attitude. The people you're around matter. They're either you join one of those hardcore jujitsu gyms, you're either going to be an animal or you're going to quit. That's it. But if you live through it, you're going to be an animal. That's very the insightful. Deal. The environment matters. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Got a poster of an arm bar, a thumbs up. Someone getting rear naked <laughs> and smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Join us. <laughs> For real. That's the attitude. Like, who, who are you around? What's normal? Mm-hmm. Eight, eight fights, 20 fights, 30 fights. By the time you're a, a young teenager in Thailand, is normal. You're going to raise a bunch of killers. And I think that's the deal. A lot of people, because, I mean, obviously now jujitsu is, you know, everyone, see, everyone watches UFC. I feel like now more than ever, there's a new wave of casuals that are watching UFC because, you know, like the Nelk boys and all the promo stuff that Dana White's doing now. But with that comes people trying out the art. So they go to jujitsu and they go to like um, MMA gyms and boxing gyms and stuff. Um, some of them, you know, they don't really know the history of how jujitsu started. And because of that, like the pedigree of, people that came out of the older gyms compared to the pedigree people that are coming out now. It's, it's night and day, man. I don't think people understand that jujitsu any day, the coach can be like, Hey, there's this guy who thinks boxing is the best. We're about to take him in here and show him what's up. And I want you to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Hey, we got a guy who's been boxing for four months. Phil, Tom, you guys have both been here for four months. Which one of you wants this guy? (laughs) (laughs) But we've, we've got a, You've got a society in North America, I would argue, that has its level of aggression and masculinity turned down to like a simmer at best. Say loud. Real. And it's it's bad news. If you want to know why guys are so 
miserable and unhappy and addicted to technology and bitter. It's that. Like, we're not supposed to be like that. You know when you go to the zoo and you see the wild animal, like, sulking around the cage? Yeah. That's us. Yeah. That's us right now. For sure. That's us. Like, I, I love on an average day, I understand, like, I'm a relatively big dude. Like, I'm 6'2", 250. I've done a lot of boxing, a lot of Muay Thai. It's, I like that I could smash most people's faces. Mm-hmm. Like that. Even saying that is like a whoa, whoa yeah. in our Ooh, culture now. Right. Forget that. Men, Jordan Peterson said this a bunch, and people have said it throughout history. Mm-hmm. Only good men have the capacity to be dangerous. Right. right. You resist using it. You need that capacity. And we've got a whole bunch of casuals who think, I talk to you guys all the time, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm a software developer and I think I'm going to do jujitsu. I heard it's like meditative and good for your mind. And it's oh, like, yeah, I do think it's good for your mind. I do think there is a quasi meditative aspect. Part of you needs to want to be a killer. Right. Right. Part right. of you needs to want to be a killer. Jujitsu, when you roll, it is pretend murder. Do you understand that? Like when somebody yeah. catches you in a rear naked choke, they're pretending to kill you. <laughs> That's the deal. They should just go do yoga at that point. Like, forget <laughs> yeah. jiu-jitsu. <laughs> tai chi. Real. Do some tai chi. Cool. It's, we need a little bit more of that, like, like mm. whether it's lifting weights, whether it's jits, whether it's boxing. It's, we it's need totally to lacking. Some of that. Yeah, we need totally to lacking, for that. Yeah. I feel like that was a Mark Zuckerberg quote that you just mentioned. It's, it's meditative and transformative. I want to try some MMA. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, we'll do some gentle rolling. We'll do this and that. Like, no, man, you're supposed to be in there pretending to murder your friend. Right. I wonder right. after this, which one of us is going to kill the other today? Which one of us pretend breaks the other one's arm? Exactly. Once you feel the tap, okay, let go. But uh, between there, nah, like, you're you're going 100% really yeah. trying to beat the other person up. And we need that. We need outlets for men to turn the volume up to 10 that's that's to bring this almost around to where we started. That's my beef with the online experts about weight weight training. You know, you get the best rear delt activation at this level of abduction with your shoulder instead of this one. God damn it. You're coaching a bunch of 18 year olds who don't know what's up. Go in the gym, try really hard. No, you're in the mount. It's optimal if you have 30% of your weight here and 40% here and you have 30% on this hand and 25% on your back left foot. Yo, shut <laughs> shut up get on top of another adult and try to hold them on the ground and you'll figure out where to put your goddamn weight oh they want to get up and you want to hold them down you'll figure it out from there <laughs> right right that's funny so it's a perfect segue um do you only work with high level clients or do you work with like the average joe just trying to get into shape as well Great question. So I try to avoid working with high-level clients now. Mm. Um, it's not very fun. It's very stressful. And I, I don't like it. Mm. Every time I'd have a client fighting on a pay-per-view or fighting at a main event somewhere, all I wanted to do was puke. It's so much time. And it's, it's for this one single moment. After that, that's it. Like, does it matters to them a lot mm. if they get in their best shape and win a world title. And they go back to doing their thing and we wait for the next fight camp. I love working with more regular guys. We're like, hey, I get laid by my wife now. 
my kids think I'm cool and not the sloppy fat loser dad. And I could protect my family if I needed to, because I do this, 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 and that. Their whole life changes. Mm-hmm. Whole life changes when that happens. You train somebody for a fight, they have a good fight or they don't have a good fight, but it is what it is. Train somebody who transforms like themselves. Everything about their life changes and everybody they touch starts to change from there. Right. Yeah, it's funny because people notice that when someone gets in incredible shape, they come back glowing, you know, and everyone's like, oh, dang. Yeah. What have you done? What are you doing lately? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Everything about them gets better. You get a guy who's sloppy, lazy, out of shape, and doesn't get laid. You fix all of those things. Every single thing about that guy gets guaranteed he goes and makes more money at work. Guaranteed he's got better relationships with his kids or with his friends. Guaranteed he's more engaged in his life. That's funny. It's interesting. You mentioned Jordan Peterson in his book, The 12 Rules of Life, mentioned the, uh, the lobsters, right? And um, yeah, yeah. how I forget the hormone, but the winning, winner lobsters, because of the momentum of winning, they stand up in a more um, commanding, posture and the loser lobsters they kind of you know they kind of start cowering they're a little more hesitant more intimidated by other lobsters and i feel like like you said with with weightlifting because it's a personal weightlifting is a is a sport against yourself i mean jujitsu is you against somebody no matter how people say it's a fight within yourself you're fighting yourself (laughs) like like i've never choked myself out (laughs) yeah there's that too right (laughs) <laughs> but like yeah the the um the origin of weightlifting is just a guy just trying to get shredded going against gravity right um but with that you know let's say you get a good workout in that confidence feels like a win and you know you kind of get that same effect that the lobsters get in the jordan peterson reference and that Absolutely, does man, the- translate into other aspects of your life and the word you hit that is perfect is momentum mm. men need momentum if you look at the average guy's life alarm clock goes off in the morning like pulls himself out of bed shower shave whatever goes to a job where some other guy tells him what to do for eight hours comes home eats some crap food watches some other guy do something cool on tv he watches some other guy score a touchdown he watches some other guy shoot a basket hit a home run has to have sex, gets turned down, watches some other guy have sex on the internet, and then goes to bed to get up and do it the next day. Is it a shock at all that the guy feels whole? He's got zero moment. He watches other guys do everything he wants to do mm-hmm. all day long. It's the worst life I can imagine. That's crazy when you put it like that because that's yeah. average. <laughs> that's a lot of average yeah. people right now. <laughs> For real. Yeah, watching other guys. Do the thing they wish they were doing. That's nuts. All day long. That's it. They watch some and other guy be day. the boss. They watch some other guy score the touchdown. They watch some other guy have sex. They go to bed and repeat. Wow. Hell. That's wild. Yeah. Why would anybody want that reality? But people don't even know that they're stuck in that reality, which is, you know, the sad part of it. <laughs> that's yeah. that's yeah. the biggest reason I think weightlifting mm-hmm. is so Good. And I think other things, I think jujitsu is great. I think boxing is great. I think running is great. Lifting weights, following a diet, you can take an idea of yourself from your mind that does not exist. You can create it. 
You can imagine yourself with abs. You can imagine yourself with bigger arms. You can put a weight in front of you. Say right now you can deadlift 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. You can put, you can make it real that you can put 400 pounds on the ground and you can pick it up. Weightlifting proves to you through just your imagination and your effort that you can create a different you. And that momentum is great. It permeates everything else about your life. I heard this quote that said, even if you do the right things for the wrong reasons, you will still reap benefit. I don't know if it was uh, Sadhguru or Jordan Peterson that said that. But yeah, just like weightlifting. Let's say I start weightlifting. I'm not even trying to get shredded. I'm not even trying to get girls. I'm not even, you know, I'm just, my friends weightlift and I'm just going to go join them. I'll start to see my pecs feeling tired. My, my shirts don't fit anymore. I'm going to need a new suit. These tailored, yeah. these tailored suits don't fit like they used to anymore. This girl's starting to talk to me. You know what I mean? Like you'll, you'll still reap benefits even though you don't try to get into shape for, for the right reasons. And, and you'll realize whether you, whether you planned it or not, that by your own effort, you can change yourself. Mm. I love that, that is, and that's profound. Mm-hmm. By your own effort, just by your power of will, your actions, you change. I can't imagine anything more powerful for someone's life in any area. And it's kind of disrespectful that people don't see that as a magical thing, you know? That's, like, there, there's not that many animals that could do that. <laughs> No, man, like you can, you can create a vision for yourself and you can become it. If you decided right now, you go, I've done this five, six years ago. I went, I want to speak another language. I want to be ripped. I want to have X amount of money. I applied the same things I applied to weightlifting to do all of that. And now I have all of that. Just it's the it's the understanding that if you try, you can go from the guy who watches people do things on here. You can become the guy who does that thing. Facts. I love that. Crazy. Man, I love what you're saying. It's it's really it's really blowing my mind right now. Yeah, I'm ready to start lifting right now, man. (laughs) You know what? You should be. I've been in the slump. I've I've been in the slump. Uh, going back to the gym, but hearing you talk right now, man, I just, I, I really, it's, it's inspiring me. Craig, this and is going to be my new pre-workout. Think, really, really. <laughs> and it's, it's, I really think it, I, I'm sure you hear it all the time, but to me, I really think this is the conversation I needed to hear from an expert mm-hmm. in order for me to inspire and get my back in there daily. Like I used to. I'm glad, man, and you sh- and you should, because men need momentum. Men need to win. Men need to conquer stuff. Men need to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the deal. Like we're built for that. Our entire evolution has set us up for that. And I can recognize that our society isn't one where we should go out like Vikings and like raid the next town. Right. right. So the thing we can kill is us. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to kill the current version of you. You want a better version of you. You don't change you into that. You kill this version with the actions that make the next one. Dude, I'm I'm amped. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. 
I so, love um, it. I how, love how, it. how long have you been training the average Joe? And I'd see how, how reward, more rewarding it is training them <laughs> over the <laughs> athlete because the athlete, that's kind of part of the job, right? Like, uh, I'm going to go to the gym. So I've, I've always worked with regular people throughout my whole career, and it's been the big name athletes that have come in and out. Mm. So part of it, I flew down to New Mexico and coached at Jackson Wink, wrote a book with their head striking coach. Mm. Then the world heavyweight champion boxing flew to my city for a week. I coached him. People would come in for fight camps or Miss Olympias or whatever. Mm. But honestly, I've got a client. I'm going to end up sending her a clip like this. Her name is Trudy. She's a retired optometrist. Amazing lady. At 67 years old, she did 17 full body weight pull-ups. Wow. That's cooler to me than the world heavyweight champ. Yeah. The world heavyweight champ was a cool picture I could put on my wall and be like, yeah, I coached this guy. Or doing that? Mm-hmm. Incredible. So I've always had people like that throughout my entire training career. But they're, they're the cool ones. That's what's cool to me. I love that. And I'm sure that that motivates you even more to see, you know, your own client's progress. You're like, wow, like I'm doing I'm doing a good job. So, I mean, you feel good and you're putting value in people's lives. And that, you know, itself also gives you confidence mm-hmm. that, wow, it, it, I'm doing something great for this world. And I'm not just, you know, doing my business, whatever. I'm providing value in people's lives and right. making people changing people's lives. It's fulfilling. It, it is. There you go. That's the that, word. In, yeah. Truly, it is always their own work. Any of the people that I've helped could have done everything I helped them do on their own. I might get them there a little bit faster. I might get them there in a more efficient manner. It's, and I always say this to them. I, I didn't change you. You changed you. There's a ton of people who buy maps. Not that many people who drive to where they want to go. Wow. Mm. That's beautiful, man. I love that. So let's talk about the other side of weightlifting, diet. Um, I mean, I I saw your your post about cheat meals. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm guilty. I I schedule some cheat meals, and sometimes I add a little bit of cheat meals when they're not they're not supposed to be there. (laughs) Uh, I asked my wife if she had any questions. Is there a cheat meal that people consider a cheat meal? That isn't really a cheat meal that, you know, you can substitute in place of your cheat meal, which wouldn't technically count as one, if that makes sense, like an acai bowl or something. (laughs) To be honest, it's going to depend on you. If you're somebody who loves shawarma, Mm -hmm. I love shawarma. I also really like sushi. Either of those, if you go and do it, do it right. And be a meal that feels like a cheat meal that isn't. Thai food. Mm -hmm. We'll go get like a Thai chicken stir fry. And that feels like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So delicious. It can actually be a cheat meal. So typically, what you're going to look for are meals that other people make for you. But mm-hmm. you might have chicken and vegetables and rice as a meal. If you can get that at a Thai restaurant, that's going to feel like a, a cheat meal or a treat meal. Wow. But in fact, it's perfectly on plan. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing with diet, diet is probably the most overcomplicated aspect of getting in shape. Mm-hmm. So, Alex, I'll try and explain this real quick. How many guys do you know, or either no person you see on the internet who know their exact macros all the time? There's a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. I love their macros. Do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was Mr. Olympia, 
was walking around with a, an electronic food scale <laughs> or had a My Fitness Pal app on his phone. <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> just, he's the Terminator. I'm living in the future. <laughs> in the 70s, he didn't have anything like that. Right. And look right. what Arnold Schwarzenegger looked like. You got guys who are neurotic about every gram of everything they put in their body. Like, if they told you they played rec league soccer, it'd be believable. They don't look like anything. People overcomplicate diet because that's a thing that coaches can sell. So I'm going to give you your exact macro breakdown and I'm going to do but, 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 but. Listen, if you eat food that God made, you train really hard, you're probably going to be jacked. You want to be Mr. Olympia level or you want to go from 8% body fat to six, you might need something a little more specific. The vast majority of people overcomplicate that and it's in the best interest of the people selling you diet information mm. to make it seem complicated. If I try to trick you into thinking there's some magic formula for results that only I know by giving you these exact macros, you have to hire me as a coach. You need to give me some money. Right. I'm like, listen, I walk around at 250 pounds with abs and six foot two. I do not count my macros. I do not weigh my food. Mm. Yeah, and I think like you said about being neurotic, I feel like nutrition and diet is 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 a the part as, aspect of weightlifting and fitness that people are way more neurotic about than form. Oh, like you can you can have a chill body body building but but then the part where you guys disagree on is the diet part, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's you watch the old Ronnie Coleman tapes when he was Mr. Olympia, like his training DVDs. He doesn't weigh his food. Mm-hmm. That doesn't weigh his food. <laughs> he doesn't measure his condiments. He doesn't measure his co- – he just, yeah, I generally eat this. If I need to lose <laughs> weight, I take some of this out. If I need to gain weight, I put a little more of this in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like That's it, it. it doesn't have That's to simple. be much more complicated than that. And now in this era of, you know, weird diets and stuff, uh, I have a question. Is it possible to get jacked? As a vegan? Possible. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's possible. I'd Hard, say it's significantly more difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, I would, I don't mean this to be insulting to mm-hmm. vegans or amputees. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to become a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt with only one leg? It's probably possible. Mm-hmm. If I had the choice, I'd have two legs, though. It'd be harder. Right. I see. Yeah. And that's mainly because of the protein. Um, substitutes that vegans don't really have in comparison to what animal products can provide, correct? Yeah, animal stuff is awesome for getting jacked. Mm-hmm. If you want the biggest, most muscular, strongest dude throughout history, eat a lot of animals. They mm-hmm. ate a predatory diet. Um, and then apart from that, this is like a, this is just going to be my own personal opinion. Eating a vegan diet doesn't make you feel the same way eating meat makes you feel. So I did an experiment where I was, I was doing marathon distance running, eating a vegan diet. I did that for a month. Um, like ran a marathon, dropped a bunch of weight, did the whole thing. When I started eating meat again. I felt denser. My muscles felt denser. My body felt denser. I felt a little more aggressive. Like there's something about eating a steak that I do not get out of eating a deep fried cauliflower steak looking object chicken 
<laughs> could, could it be that, that the meat? Could it be that the meat raised? I mean, some of that testosterone level because I mean, eating eating a lot of just pure vegetables, um, vegan diet with you know they say yeah, vegetables have protein, but it's that quality of protein that I think give you that I give you the cholesterol in the meat, which is advantageous for protein production. I would I would probably argue even if you took a vegan and put them on a bunch of steroids, so the hormones didn't matter. Feel different eating meat. Mm. Something different about that, um, and I—that's my own personal opinion. Oh, to yeah. be honest, this is a, actually this is a great example. If somebody is a vegan, listening to this, and they're, and they're pissed, I'm like, I think that's like having one leg in jujitsu. I would love for them to take that and go. This guy can go to hell. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get so jacked and so strong as a vegan. I'm going to rub it in his face. Mm. That's the attitude you should have. If you want to be super jacked and you're a vegan, you shouldn't give a damn what I think. Right. It should motivate you to double up on your cauliflower steaks and <laughs> hammer it to death. So you can send me a video of you flexing your 20-inch arm with an 800-pound deadlift. And be like, what, sucker? Hashtag vegan <laughs> That challenge. should be the attitude. <laughs> right, right. Real. Like that, that should be it. And I think younger guys today – Somebody like me will be on this podcast and be like, ah, you know, I really don't think that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, oh, I guess that's not the thing. And then they'll see something else online. They'll be like, ah, I don't know, man. I heard a podcast with this Bongelli <laughs> guy. He said that didn't work. No, you should take that. I'm going to show that guy. We'll see. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do. When I was 150 pounds, I'm talking to people, and I didn't tell anybody I wanted to be a pro strong man right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I want to be bigger and stronger. My goal is to be 200 pounds. And they'd go, 200 pounds? Weigh 150 pounds. You're not going to be 200 pounds. You don't have the genetics for that. On the outside, I went, oh, I guess we'll see. And on the inside, I'm like, I'm going to shove this in there. Right, face. right, and right. You just wait. And five years, five years from being 150 pounds, when I decided I was going to be a pro strong man, in five years, I weighed 300. I doubled my body weight in five years. When I got to 300 pounds, People were like, whoa, you're big. Like, you always been big? Like, no, I used to be 150 pounds. I'd be like, no way. You've got the genetics to be a huge guy. There's no way you were 150 pounds. <laughs> That's how it works. Right. I didn't care right. if somebody I knew. I didn't care if an internet expert. I didn't care if anybody told me I wasn't going to do that. We'll see. We'll when see. You, when you have that attitude of just a doer and you don't really pay attention to what people are saying, isn't it funny to see and hear the opinions about you change over time. All of <laughs> like they totally always said the, the opposite it. about you, about genetics. <laughs> yeah. I always knew he had the, the the spark for that. I always knew he could do it. I always knew he'd be there. Like, yo, I literally remember you telling me it wasn't possible. I remember it. Like, <laughs> that's just it. You got to take those things and go, hmm, I'll see you. I'm going to remember this. I'll see you. Right. Give me a right. year. You give me two years. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm going to be back. Mm-hmm. you might not remember but i'm gonna remember you just wait so i'm probably gonna work out like a madman after this and probably be really sore tomorrow which segues perfectly to my next point um recovery after i'm really sore i'm probably gonna see my rest days i sometimes just do cardio on my rest days are you supposed to just rest on your rest days or are there active recovery um, activities you, you should be doing on your rest days. What do you want out of your training? 
Yeah. So that's another point that I wanted to ask. Um, so for me, since I do martial arts, I kind of try not to see, it's probably like a neuro, um, neurotic type of thing. I don't want to be too bulky and lose my, my movement, you know, cause I'm kind of like, I kind of use my movement and my agility. So I feel like if I pack on my shoulders, I'll lose that head movement and I'll lose some of that. So I try to, you know, I, for, for weightlifting, I just do squats. I'll do some deadlifts and I'll do maybe some bench pressing, some shoulder mobility, but most of my training is just movement and like running, um, sprints, That's swimming and stuff. So you want to be strong and you want to move a lot. Mm -hmm. Once you know what you want in any area of life, every option you have, every question you need an answer to, you just drop it through that sifter. Wow. I want to be strong and I want to move a lot. What should I do? Well, I should probably train heavy on basic strength movements that I want to be strong at. And then I should move a lot. So that answers you. What should you do on your day off? Mm -hmm. You should move. I should keep moving. I should do movement. That's one of the things I want. If you would have said, listen, I want to be biggest guy I can possibly be. You should train a lot. You should eat a lot. And you should do very little else. Whatever the goals are, you just drop that through your decision-making process. There's a ton of people who are down to give you advice. You go, hey, what should I do on a rest day? No, go, you do this on a rest day. First question they need to be asking, well, what do you want? Mm. What do you want? Hey, right. I want to make an investment. What should I do? Oh, you should invest in this. Why do you want to invest? Right, right. So, listen, I'm in debt to a loan shark. I've got a hundred bucks and I've got a week to turn it into a thousand. Mm. That's a different investment strategy than, well, listen, I'm pretty good. I got this extra 50 grand nest egg. And I want to just very slowly, cautiously grow it over time. So in 20 years, I can flip it into a college education for my three kids. Mm. Knowing what you want, almost always, when you know it clearly enough, leads you to what you should do. Profound. I like that. And, dude, your advice, I feel like it's not just for lifting, man. I'm, I think you're dropping diamonds and gems everywhere in this podcast. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I think I think the success in all of those things is the exact same. Yeah, exactly. To be honest, I felt like an idiot when I finally figured that out. Because for the first eight years of my my career, I was a phenomenal lifter, a phenomenal trainer, and I was a bum in the rest of my life. That didn't apply the same things. Somebody comes in, they're like, I want to train with you. I'm like, Great, what do you want? They're like, I want to be in shape. You go, Great. What does that mean? Right. By the time you break down exactly what it means, the path forward is very simple. In the other areas of my life, I didn't do that. I want to be successful. I want to have some money. I want to have a good relationship. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? What is a good relationship? What, what is that? As soon as you get crystal clear on what that is, then you know exactly what you need to do. I'm reading this book called Five Steps Ahead, and it's talking about how you want to think five steps ahead. And um, because of what you said, like, yeah, the asking why part, like you want to invest. Why do you want to invest? I feel like people, people kind of lose sight on the steps it takes to get to where you need to go. Like, oh, I want to be buff. That, that might not be the first step. That might even not be the fifth step. That might be the third step. Like, why do you want to be buff? Oh, so um, when my mom or my dad asked me to move stuff around the house, I could do that, you know? So that's your fourth step. So you want to be strong so you can be able to do that. So it's almost like not necessarily reverse engineering, but you're kind of 
clearing the dust and figuring out the map of, Hey, where are you trying to go? You know, there's these routes and yeah, I like that. People, people get fixated on certain steps that they don't see the whole staircase. It's pretty much what I'm yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you got to know exactly where you're trying to end up. Mm-hmm. What is the thing you want? I want to be in shape. Well, okay. What is in shape? Mm-hmm. I want to be rich. What the hell is rich? Mm-hmm. What is rich? There's people I know who live rich because they've got four grand a month in rental income. They paid off their mortgage and they live rich to them. Somebody else who's rich is a Bugatti. Somebody else where I want a good relationship. I've been happy with my relationships in life where I have five or six different people that I'm casually sleeping with who all understand that I casually sleep with whoever I want. And right now I'm engaged to an incredible woman and completely monogamous. And that's a great relationship. Like what I wanted in those two times in my life was very different. Mm-hmm. I could only get them when I knew what I wanted. Once you know what you want, step, most of your options disappear right. when you're clear, mm-hmm. when you're really clear. I like that. You almost, that's, I mean, I feel like that's where the tunnel vision um, saying was built on, right? You're so yeah. focused on the game. You don't even really see the fans and the crowd and all the BS on the sidelines. You're just focused on the game. Hey ends up not mattering Mm -hmm. what is the thing you 100 percent want and exactly how do you want it what are we doing as soon as you go does this move me closer to this or further away if you go i want to do jujitsu well why do you want to do jujitsu i want to have a little more confidence and blah 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 you go what does that mean you go well honestly like if somebody breaks into my house at night like i'm worried i can't handle it oh you you had this vision of like i could protect my house Mm. And that trickled down into like self-defense. And somebody told you you should do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You need to buy a gun and learn how to shoot. Mm-hmm. So you need. <laughs> you need to be good with a gun. You don't need the gentle art. You need the art <laughs> of the nine millimeter. Shoot for a single leg. <laughs> like, does this move me further or closer to be able to protect my house if somebody breaks in at night? Mm-hmm. I would argue that Jiu-Jitsu doesn't move you that much closer to it. Right. It does boxing. Like, you need a Glock. Glock will move you very close to that. Learn how to use that. You're good. You should learn some gun food, right? <laughs> For real. Whether it's your relationship, whether it's your body, like what do you want? Like if you want to get girls, I want to go to the gym so I can get girls. Listen, you probably just need to not be fat, need some nice clothes, and you need some money. That'll do you better than trying to get jacked because only guys are that impressed when you get past a certain level of jack. <laughs> yeah. Like get clear on the outcome and then you know the steps. It's funny. So um, I wanted to bring it back to uh, martial artists and weightlifting. Um, is, is that a myth of getting big, getting stronger will deter your movements in, uh, or your performance when it comes time to the fight? Is there a way to strength train for a martial artist compared to a strong man? I mean, obviously, but compared to like a, another athlete, like a football player or a basketball player? So there are a lot of arguments and opinions about that. Mm-hmm. Being bigger and stronger will not make you any less agile, any less quick, any less mobile than and otherwise. And for a perfect example, look at a prime Tyson. Guy's jacked as hell. He's 220 lean at 5'10". And blazing fast heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of how to train, there's a whole bunch of arguments about that. But Evander Holyfield, who is one of the best boxers in history, 
is trained by Lee Haney, a Mr. Olympia, and did a full-on bodybuilding split to get big and strong for his fights. So I would also argue that there's no correct way to do it. Mm. What I would say, though, and this this almost hurts me to say as a strength and conditioning coach who's worked with fighters, mm-hmm. the vast majority of the time, guys would be better off fighting. Mm. Well, I think right now, if you look at heavyweight boxing, you look at Tyson Fury, mm-hmm. who's a kind of pudgy, mm-hmm. gypsy, old-school training boxer. And you look at Anthony Joshua, who looks like a fitness <laughs> model and does all the latest, most scientifically advanced training. Right. I'm not putting my money on Anthony Joshua over not Tyson Fury. <laughs> not at all. Not in a million years. <laughs> Old school training for fighting, in my opinion, is better. If you mm-hmm. can do a ton of chin-ups and dips and push-ups and you, you fight, mm-hmm. I'd rather have that guy. If you've got to compete in jiu-jitsu in six months and you're like, listen, I can do some push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, you know, whenever – and I could roll six days a week or I could roll three days a week and three days a week, I could do extremely advanced strength training. Mm. The version of you who rolls six days a week is going to murder the version of you that rolls three and does bicep curls. I see. That's almost going back to the point of why are you doing it? Right. Of course. Mm. And you'll have to understand they talk to weightlifters because it's weightlifters who become strength coaches about whether or not people should weightlift. Of course, strength coaches who love weightlifting think everybody should lift weights. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know what Muhammad Ali could, could barbell clean? What? Not, not, not what? that heavy? You guys don't know? No. No. I don't know either. And neither did Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Damn, Never man. bench press. He just focused on his, on his boxing. Huh? Yeah, that's of true. Course. He did the basic stuff that guys have done forever. It is, it is not cleans or bench presses or deadlifts or the latest advances in sports nutrition or, or training is making guys better. Wow. It's, it's old school it's boxing. Old school training. Just Crystal focus, clear, focusing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Crystal clear. Of course. If you can get kind of jacked and bigger and stronger while still doing everything else, then it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. The bigger, stronger you, if everything else is equal, is better. But if you have to trade even 1% of your sport for 1% of your physicality in something like jujitsu or boxing, how worth it? Wow. Man, everything's clear. I'm amped. I'm ready to go lift, man. <laughs> you should go get it, man. I love Same. that. <laughs> Same, man. That's awesome. So we're hitting that hour mark, almost hour 30. Um, so I'm going to start wrapping this up. I don't want to keep you too long, Craig. But I did want to ask you, do you have a favorite workout? Or a workout, a number one workout that you tell people to do, like an essential workout? <laughs> to be honest, my favorite thing right now is probably the deadlift. Mm. I love ripping on heavy deadlifts because it's fun. The number one thing people should do in the gym if they want great results is find what gives them that. Mm-hmm. What makes you feel like Oh, after I'm done this set, I'm going to rip the head off somebody in the gym. I'm going to drink their blood and I'm going to do another set. Yeah. That workout that makes you feel like that. Mm. That's the one that's going to work. The best thing is the thing that turns your crank. What gets you like amped? Yeah. You find that in life. Who's the best? Who's the best woman to be with? The woman you can't get enough of. The woman where you're like, when you're not with her, you're thinking about her. 
that's who it should be. And I don't know if you're like, you love big fat girls and that's what you envision or you love supermodels or you love just an average. I don't know what it is. I know the feeling that's the best. And you got to find the woman who gives you that feeling. What car is the best to drive? Maybe you love Lambos. I've got a big lifted truck outside. Mm-hmm. I love driving that. Is it the best vehicle? I don't know. The best vehicle for me, though, I love driving that thing. <laughs> Workouts, same thing. What what gives you that, like, I'm going to drink the blood of my enemies after this workout. I feel ferocious. That workout, do that. Man, that's awesome. I'm ready to drink the blood of my enemies. <laughs> yeah, that, that idea. Like, <laughs> You know the moments where you're in the gym and the music's right. in your in your ears. And you're just like oh, you're yeah, bumping man. and you're just ri- that. You got to find that feeling. People get confused, right? Because they look at weightlifting and go, "Man, what? How do I get that feeling?" Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Yeah. It's the same thing. If you ask me what I'm listening to in the gym, music right. I'm listening to might not give you the like boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Here I go. I can. You're not gonna put on my headphones <laughs> and think like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this." You're gonna figure out what music you like. You're gonna turn that up to ten. Same thing with training. What makes you feel ferocious? What makes you excited to go in? Man, that's crazy. So you got to find. I love it. Yeah. Craig, where can people find you and where can people get to work with you, man? You can find me on Instagram at uh, Bongelli underscore fit, or they can find me on almost anything else as literally just Craig Bongelli. TikTok, YouTube, whatever. Um, if people want to work with me, and they made it all the way through this interview. It's just, <laughs> they, should, they should send me a message on Instagram. Um, I do not work with everybody who asks me to, but I will connect with people for a one-on-one call, make sure I understand what they want, and make sure we both want to work together. But that's how they can start the process. Awesome. awesome. Craig Bongelli, guys. This is my new pre-workout. It, and I will listen to this. I'll probably play it again and go work out. Get me through my workout, to be honest. <laughs> Dig it, man. Go drink the blood of your enemies. Yeah. That's what you got to do. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Craig Bongelli, everyone. Thanks for coming on, Craig. It was fun. Thanks Good a lot, Craig. Hey, thanks, thanks for the chat, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Good luck with everything, my man. Have a good All one. Right. Well, thank you. Take care.